Somebody Save Me, the third single off Cinderella's 1986 album entitled Night Songs. This record was phenomenal, and this band is one of my all-time favorites, especially from this time period. Uh, this is going to be so much fun. We're actually traveling to Muchler Creative Studios today. Um, we will be with Christopher Long, who is the author of the Christian fiction novel Superstar, and he knows a thing or two about the music industry. So buckle up, stay tuned, we're ready to rock. Welcome to the Song and Verse Podcast, a discovery of God's Word, one song and a few verses at a time. Here's your host, Rockin' Odd Todd. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Song and Verse Podcast. I am your host, Rockin' Odd Todd. We are so happy you've decided to join us today. In this episode, we're going to talk about the band Cinderella, the 1986 album Night Songs. Uh... You know, a lot of what they contributed to the rock and roll world was just incredible. I mean, I I love this time period. I love the late 80s, early 90s. Of course, I was growing up middle school and high school at the time. After speaking with Dr. Kerry Fink, we find out that that's a nostalgia type thing. And we always thought our time period was the best. But I love 60s, 70s, you know, today's rock. I love it all. But there's a special place in my heart for the, the late 80s and early 90s. And... um and so we had a great time in this episode. Uh, we got to meet up with Christopher Long, author of the Christian fiction novel, Superstar. And this dude knows a lot about uh, the rock world, the rock industry. His insight and knowledge into this stuff is, is really phenomenal. It was great sitting down and having a chance to talk to him and just listen to his story and have him pour his heart out a little bit. Uh, we talk a little bit about Peter and the Apostle Paul as well. And it was just a great ride. I really enjoyed sitting down with Chris, and I hope you enjoy this episode as well. Uh, today we have with us Chris Long, author of Superstar, and uh, we're on location. This is a little bit different episode for us, and uh, we're in Muchler Creative Media Studios. So it's great to be with you today, Chris. How are you, man? It's great to be with you, Todd. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let, tell us a little bit about Superstar. This is a great book. My, my wife couldn't put it down. Beautiful. It's... Uh, Superstar, it's my current book. Mm -hmm. uh, it came out in 2019, and it is the salacious story of country music sensation Trent Davis mm. and his meteoric rise to fame and his heartbreaking fight for survival and uh, his ultimate fall from grace. And it's a very relevant story about a music superstar that could be a country music star could be a rock and roll star could be a sports guy could be a preacher mm -hmm. could be a politician Definitely. uh it's a, a very authentic uh sex drugs and rock and roll story sure uh, i think it's very relevant uh but it is a faith book mm -hmm. so it's a very uh faith-based story so our superstar trent davis at his darkest moment Jesus pops up on the scene, mm. and suddenly we see a shift in the narrative, and then we see how Trent's story plays out from there. And, and, and that's a, a narrative that we've learned more and more about recently, uh, you know, Blackie Lawless, 
Alice Cooper, uh, C.C. DeVille, all kinds of dudes all over YouTube talking about their faith and how they've come out of that. So, so how does this really kind of tie in to, to your career and, and to where you've been in life? Like, what, what, what was the driving force behind, look, this would be a really good book to, to write. Were there experiences along the way? How did you get yeah, to that point? Yeah, it is a, a very authentic story. Mm -hmm. It's not anything that I gleaned from the internet or imagined how the entertainment industry operates. Sure. So there's some experience in here. First-hand accounts. Yeah. Uh, years ago, as a young person, craving the sex, drugs, and rock and roll sort of lifestyle, sure. I really uh, aspired to, to be that guy, to, to, to be that rock star. And as I got older in life, uh, had some great opportunities, played in some bands, and when it seemed like that chapter was over, I moved into music journalism and began writing for different entertainment news outlets. And during the course of that, I also got opportunities to go out on tour, mm -hmm. working for major rock bands. So at a time, sort of late in life, I was in my 40s after a lot of people from my day had sort of given up on their dreams and were raising families and in some cases even having grandkids. Mm -hmm. My story was sort of just starting. So in my 40s, I got the call to do my first tour. So at 43, I'm on the tour bus. I'm, I'm in the arena, 20,000 seaters, on stage, backstage, in the dressing room, living it firsthand. And through those experiences, that led me to my first book that came out about 10 years ago that was based entirely on personal experiences. It was a very unfiltered nonfiction account of my experiences mm -hmm. in the in the rock and roll world and working for a particularly a, a particular rock band now based on those experiences i sort of second guessed my direction and went through my own personal uh, faith transformation and discovered that maybe those weren't the perspectives I needed to be sharing with people. And I focused more on a faith-based message. Hmm. And, and, what, so, and what led to that point? Was there just... It was what the, the old school preachers might call a come to Jesus experience. Oh, gotcha. Mm -hmm. And I was raised in church mm -hmm. as a kid, but as I got older, became a teenager, I felt pushed away from God by religion. Mm -hmm. Maybe the style of music you liked, that kind of deal? Just, or... you know, when you're a 15-year-old kid, you're pursuing girls and rock and roll and mm -hmm. being young and, you know, that, that whole thing. And that is a time you need to be encouraged with a hug and brought into faith and not pushed away by the condemnation of religion, right. which is where I was. So fast forward years later, my first book came out, the nonfiction book, and at the time that I should have felt very proud of myself, I finally got my big deal sure. and was offered a global audience mm. with this book. 
the first day the UPS guy knocked on my door with promotional copies of the book, I opened up the box and started thumbing through it. And it was like the light came on and it's like, I just threw the book down and went, wow, I got my big chance to offer a message to the world. And this is the garbage that I want to be talking about. Mm. And it was as if, it was as if I could see Jesus sitting right across my kitchen table going, ready to try it my way? Because we've been trying it your way for the last 40 years. How's that working for you? Powerful Wanted, stuff. Want to try it my way? And I've been saved since I was a little kid. But I really didn't have a firm grasp on what that really was. It was fire insurance. So <clears throat> at that moment, I recognized that di very distinct difference between religion and relationship and I no longer was uh, I no longer found any allure in that rock and roll lifestyle sure. I wanted to pursue uh, Paul Stanley was no longer the Apostle Paul that I wanted to, <laughs> to, to, to follow and listen to and I but but there's a key word in there that you mm -hmm. mentioned and it's the word lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, un unfortunately, the rock and roll music and mind frame always has this lifestyle attached to it. And so the Christian world automatically thinks of that. And, it's, and for me, it's like, I can listen to that stuff without living the lifestyle. Well, I think that comes down to the individual. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that there is a one size fits all on either side of that equation. I think that as you have been doing uh, so effectively uh, in, in showing to your audience, I think that we can uh, find Jesus in secular music. Sure. But at the same time, I don't know that all Christian music is terribly effective at doing its job either. Sure. So for me personally, I like to try to erase that line mm -hmm. between what's perceived as secular content and Christian content and take everything at a one-on-one -on -one face value, band to band, song by song, movie to movie, rather than just saying, well, that's an R-rated movie, I won't watch that, or that's a secular heavy metal band, I can't listen to that. You know, I've found often a lot more vivid Jesus thumbprint in some of that secular content mm -hmm. than, than what is uh, anointed as Christian content by the contemporary corporate Christian machine. Boy, that's a rabbit hole we could really yes, go down. Um, so, so in, in, in particular, on, in this particular ep episode, we're talking about Somebody Save Me from Cinderella. Right. And wow, when, when you look at that, um, he is totally speaking the narrative of gospel there on who 
that we all have this burning inside to figure out what the heck is going on in this life and why is none of this stuff fulfilling? What do I need to do to figure out, you know, the path out of this crud that I'm in? Right. Well, to clarify, uh, somebody saved me being arguably the strongest, most awesome track from the first Cinderella band, from the first, Cinder from the first Cinderella album, Night Songs. 1986. Uh, 1986. Right? Yeah. A band that, personally, I take Cinderella over the Rolling Stones in a heartbeat. An American rock and roll treasure, mm -hmm. Cinderella, first album. And on that album, the track that stood out to me from the beginning was this song, Somebody Save Me. Mm -hmm. And while it certainly has a great riff and it just oh it's it's hard hitting it, it punches you in the ribs and the, the the band is on fire you've got uh, Jeff Labar just masterful lead guitarist and Eric Brittingham on bass and Fred Corey on drums and they just hit you like a prize fighter mm -hmm. but what even back in the day even when I was still living like a pig. I'd been raised in church. Mm -hmm. So even in the 80s, I was able to recognize something very special about that song. Sure. And the song was written by the band's frontman, Tom Kiefer. He, Tom, wrote, he wrote a lot of their songs, didn't he? I would say that he wrote all, if not yeah. most, um, of the Cinderella material. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Just a very prolific singer-songwriter and a massive, monstrous performer. Uh, just a, a great rock star. There was a, I toured for years uh, with the band Poison mm -hmm. as a personal assistant. And on one of the tours, Cinderella, was one of the bands on the tour. Oh, so you've met these guys. Yeah. Now, we, we don't go Christmas shopping together. <laughs> you know, Tom Kiefer has never invited me over for Sunday dinner. Sure. However, I spent significant time living on the road with this band. Right. And I found them to be just as impressive mm -hmm. on a personal level, working with them, traveling with Which them. Which says a lot. Them. Says a lot. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. So I was already a major admirer of Cinderella before that tour. And so the experience was just uh, fantastic. It was, it was memorable. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how many people get to go on tour oh, and work gosh, for their gosh. favorite band? Amazing, amazing. Yeah. And Cinderella, my all-time favorite rock band. Right. So it was, it was pretty surreal. So they always, have always been on my radar and when we were having this conversation recently mm -hmm. about the podcast and possibly coming on and having a conversation, the first song that immediately popped into my head was Cinderella, Somebody Save Me, written by my hero, Tom Kiefer. Yeah. And it's particularly powerful because I don't know for certain that it was Tom, Kiefer, Tom Kiefer's intent. Mm. 
But whether he knew it or not, through the lyrics of Somebody Save Me, he is successfully preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. In the song, it, the narrative is that of a conflicted young man. Mm-hmm. And he is seeking job security, uh, career advancement, financial gain, looking for that perfect wife in the perfect house. And then as he is achieving those, realizing that maybe that Christmas package is an empty box and maybe that it's not what he expected that it would be. And at the end of the day, having achieved all of these great things in life, there's still that need. He's still crying out to be saved. Well, it's that cliche, you know, with this innate DNA that God has given us all, he's, he's, he's left this space in our heart that only he can fill. And it's, it's like the narrative almost of every life story. It's trying to get to that point of fulfillment. Tom Kiefer is an everyman mm-hmm. speaking to every man. No, that's a great way to put it. I don't know of really, regardless of how somebody wants to present themselves publicly, mm-hmm. I don't know of anybody personally within their own personal space who haven't wrestled with this same question this same need. What's it all about? Where are we going? What's the, 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 the meaning of, the, of this life? What is my purpose? Where do we go from here? And I believe that Tom Kiefer is speaking to that, to all of that in this song. And the cool thing is he's seeking, sort of asking that question. And the cool thing is there is an answer. At that moment, Mm. in that song, Somebody Save Me, Tom Kiefer, with his, all of his gorgeous rock and roll persona, is essentially taking on the role of a a, a rock and roll version of of, uh, Peter Mm -hmm. in the book of Matthew, which we have right here. Now, we often have difficulty meeting Jesus where he is, but he'll always meet us where we are, Mm. either through a Cinderella song, sometimes even in the Word. The Bible I brought today is my personal Bible. There are various translations. Mm -hmm. A lot of people often miss the connection with the Word of God because perhaps they get a hold of a King James version, which is just beautifully written in these and thous and heretos and therefore and so on. And for a drooling old school Ted Nugent nut like me, <laughs> it was like trying to dive into the Word and wade through with cinder blocks tied to my ankles. And you bring up a good point with this because when when I'm studying the Word, I'm looking through various translations to make sure that I'm 
picking that up the way that it needs to be picked up. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I think sometimes that, that gets a little skewed off, like you're saying. You know, if you're only looking at the King James Version, you're not deciphering that probably the best way in the English language that you could be, you know. If, you know, the, the original word was written in Greek, right. that's great. But not if you don't speak that language. Right. The word love has what, like 27 Greek words or whatever? I don't know the exact. There are purists who will poo-poo different translations because Mm -hmm. it's not the authentic, real word. Right. Well, if the the language isn't speaking, isn't translating to the reader, Mm -hmm. then what's what's the point? Sure. And a, a lovely story... When I first had my transformation, mm-hmm. when that first book came out that I expected was going to be so great and it turned out to be such a horrific experience, it was a real struggle because I was signed to a publishing deal, uh, signed with a publishing house, and I immediately found myself on a national book tour having to promote a book with a big smile on my face, promote a book that I didn't even believe in Mm. anymore because that transformation inside me was already taking place. The very first book signing I ever did at the Barnes & Noble store in Orlando, Florida, Mm -hmm. this little gal comes through my meet and greet line and everybody's got copies of my book and they're bringing through and I'm shaking hands and signing books and so on. And this little gal who somehow had heard of what I was experiencing at that time in my personal life, she walks up to me with this beautiful little gift bag, pink with polka dots and colorful tissue paper sticking out of it. And she said, I thought about you and wanted to bring you this gift. And I pull out the tissue paper and pull and in that bag was this very bible but wow. brand new wow it was brand new in the little box still now it's 10 years later it's filled with starbucks cake crumbs and right. coffee stains and Definitely. notations and dates and so on it has become essentially my personal diary of my life experience with Jesus. And this is all while your transformation is going on. And this was so... And, and so she's like sent from God in many she ways. She is sent by just... God in, in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. So although I was experiencing that transformation, it was as if I had those cinder blocks still mm-hmm. tied to my angles. Sure. And that's no disrespect to the King James Version. Sure, sure. It's just that was written in French, and I could only understand Italian. Well, and, and, and just to preface that, I use the King James Version translation often, mm-hmm. but it may not necessarily be what I'm studying with. I just always try to search, you know, this doesn't make quite the sense that I think it should make or or. I'm not getting it. So I look for, you know, six, seven different translations and then come to them all together. As do I. Absolutely. Gotcha. Gotcha. And this version that I'm talking about is the NLT. And I will live and die by the NLT. Uh, That's New Living Translation. Gotcha. And it breaks it down 
so simply mm-hmm. that even a guy like me can understand it. Sure. And for an old rock and roll guy like me, it really needs to be broken down as much as possible. Now, once I got a hold of that version that I could understand that spoke to me, it was just like a hot knife through butter. Sure. And I've now been through, combed the New Testament for front to back, front to back, front to back, seven or eight times. Nice. And I've had people in my life who will say, well, why do you... Why do you keep reading it over and over and over? Didn't you get it the first time? Well, it is very similar to great art. This Cinderella record, I listen to over and mm. over and over. Perfect analogy. And every time I listen to it, that son of a gun, Tom Kiefer, has something different to share with me every time. Likewise with the Word of God. Every time I comb through that New Testament, particularly the NLT version, I find something new that enhances that relationship with Jesus. Now, a lot of people sit around very philosophically, you know. I wonder what God is like. How can we imagine what she, shim, him, that mighty power, what might be... It's no brain. It's a, it's a no brainer. It, it's right. there's no mystery. It is all that blueprint. The simplicity of it is art in itself. Sure. Really, you know. And the blueprint is found in the red ink. Mm. Jesus said it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm. You want to know who God is, what God is like. If you want to understand that. Visit the New Testament and find yourself a translation that speaks to you and make a beeline to the red ink. Mm. Those are the words from Jesus. Right. Jesus was God in a human form. So and in it, this case, the song is really relating to the story with, with Peter. And that was the rabbit trail that I started leading you on 20 (laughs) minutes ago, bringing us to the book of Matthew, Mm -hmm. uh, chapter 14 and verse verse 22. Mm -hmm. There is a scene where Jesus' disciples are out on the water and they face a storm. Mm -hmm. Very much like perhaps... Maybe what Tom Kiefer is facing here in his life. And this is all after they've witnessed him feeding the 5,000, correct? They were not strangers to Jesus. Right. They, they knew what he was about, but still they were conflicted in this storm. Mm-hmm. And they see Jesus approaching them on the water. And he challenges them to step out. Mm-hmm. And Peter... Peter is great for guys like me because Peter is not a perfect example of what you would think a disciple needs to be. Peter was very flawed. Right. But his heart always remained pure. Yet Jesus was able to say, look, I'm going to build my church on you, buddy. And and Jesus got a little bit ticked off at him a couple of times. But that did not diminish the relationship. So 
if Peter can have struggles and even tick Jesus off, <laughs> if there is still grace and forgiveness for, for Peter, right? God, and I know you, Todd, you're not that smart. <laughs> so if, there's, if there is a way for guys like us oh, tell me about it. To, to, be, to receive grace and forgiveness and to pursue Jesus in a, a relationship, if there's hope for Peter, mm -hmm. there's hope for us too. Mm, and in that uh, chapter 14 in the book of Matthew, Peter takes that leap. He takes that step out onto the water. Mm -hmm. And he starts to see what's going on. And Jesus had called all of them in the boat, basically. Hey, come on out. Peter was the one with the cojones to step out. Yeah. And when he got caught up in the moment and realized what was happening, he started to sink mm -hmm. into the water. And as he started to sink, started to drown, he reached out and cried out, Somebody save. Somebody save me. Thanks for noticing that, Tom Kiefer. <laughs> and so by him reaching out and crying out for that help, what did Jesus do? Jesus did not push him away. Mm -hmm. Ye of little faith. Right. Peter reached out. Jesus saved me. And Jesus was right there and reached down and saved him. And that is a key also another shameless plug in my book, Superstar, the takeaway, the two-point takeaway of Superstar is A, I wanted people to be entertained. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to read a very salacious, authentic, behind-the-scenes music story and go, wow, that was, a, that was a fun ride. This is Christian fiction. Holy cow. It's very real. But through that authenticity of the story, I wanted people to understand that no matter what, no matter who they are, no matter where they are, no matter what has happened in their lives, nobody, not Peter, not Tom Kiefer, not even Trent Davis, nobody can escape the grasp of Christ if we simply Call out, bring it, Jesus, save me. Yes. Well, and in, in, in one other place you're going there, you know, fiction, salacious tales, nonfiction, very salacious tales in some areas. Absolutely. You it, know. I have often said that the light of Christ beams brightest when it's bouncing off the darkest possible backdrop. Nice. So for truth, him to truth. really get the glory, I think uh, somebody's testimony, uh, there's the, the darker, the more tragic the testimony, the more glory that goes back to, to Jesus. And a lot of people who, and I now have because of that transformation 10 years ago, I became very active in church, very active in youth ministry, very active in global missions work. Mm -hmm. The passport that I got years ago to go out on tour to get groupies and drugs and Starbucks and all this stupid stuff for rock stars, that passport actually wound up being used years later 
to go on international missionary trips. Awesome. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's good. And at the same time, I also enrolled in Bible college. Mm -hmm. At 48, I found myself not only going back to school, going back to college, but going to Bible college. And if you knew me, particularly in that period of time in the 80s, that's a pretty crazy story and a very cool one that speaks to the salvation power of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So with all of these things going on that I've now been blessed to experience, people will approach me in my different entertainment industry uh, endeavors. And often we will have faith-based conversations and people will say things like, oh, well, I can't go to church. If, if I walked into church, the place would just burst into flames. And it's like, dude, don't flatter yourself <laughs> because Trent Davis went through stuff. Tom Kiefer went through stuff. Peter went through stuff. Holy cow, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Oh, that guy persecuted Christians in the name of religion. He murdered followers of oh, Jesus Christ. A serial killer, you look at it from that angle. And there was forgiveness mm. for Apostle Paul. Not only that, there was a great place of prominence in the ministry yeah. and the sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if there's room for all these despicable cats, sure. there's room for me and that guy in the suit and that guy in the shorts and you with the backwards ball cat. There's, there's sure. room for all of us. Well, and, and I, th I think what's what's really interesting, you know, Psalm 69 kind of stood out to me too, where, you know, David is just crying out, save me, O God. And it's almost like it's the exact same song, just a different time. And, Absolutely. And and it's, you know, this is a man of, of God's own heart, you know, according to Sam, 1 Samuel. And and I guess, I guess what really kind of I see is the Old Testament laying the groundwork for, for God's plan to be fulfilled through Christ. Absolutely. I, I spend a, most of my time in the New sure, Testament. Sure, sure, that sure. is Jesus. That is New Covenant. That is now. But what gives that value mm -hmm. is the Old Testament, sure. the law, the the maybe some of the guilt and condemnation that would come along with us not being able to fulfill the law, right. which is why we were in need of a savior. Mm -hmm. So it's very much like somebody's personal testimony and that light of Christ beaming brightest off the darkest backdrop, sure. that powerful and very important Old Testament uh, is needed mm -hmm. to really allow Jesus to shine brightest, right. if that makes no, definitely, makes sense. definitely. You know, and, and one of the things that's really impressed me, you know, kind of kind of wrapping up the episode a little bit, is, you know, you've been able to take a mainstream career and not abandon that, you know, with your Christian faith, and 
you know, one of the things that really kind of bugs me sometimes is, oh, I've become a Christian. I need to drop everything I ever was and everything I ever did. Well, there's, you know, if you're a, if you're a plumber that finds Christ, you're still a plumber. Sure. If you're, you, you, you know where I'm going sure. with this. So I'm I mean, in the, the people you know, business, yeah. Todd. That's, that's what it comes down. Our lives here on earth are very short. And this is not the main attraction. This is the opening act. Mm -hmm. So the time that we have is limited. Mm -hmm. So we need to spend that time connecting with people, mm -hmm. loving people, which is what, people. Which is what music totally which does. Which is what music should do right. in its best context. And it's interesting that at the time of my transformation, when, there's almost sort of a, a pendulum effect for a lot of us. We first go through that transformation. It's like, oh, well, I've got to abandon everything about who I was because that's what brought me to this darkness and I'm being saved from that darkness. So I've got to abandon. And then often that pendulum will swing back the other way and we can see how we can apply one to the other. Sure. But at that time when I was going through that initial transformation and thinking, uh, you know, what well, do I have to, you know, a, a, a abandon everything. And so I read the first book from Brian Head Welch, mm -hmm. the guitarist for the metal band Korn. Mm -hmm. Now, Korn, very aggressive, very hardcore. Uh, band. Very dark in places. Very dark in places. Mm -hmm. But yet, here's this guy mm -hmm. from this very dark, hardcore band who cut from the ranks and was now speaking the gospel of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I wanted to check out that. So I, I got his first book, Save Me From Myself. And he really opened my eyes to the realities of living in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. and, well, and, he, and he took a step back from it for a while, too, did. and said, you know. And then his pendulum right. came back. Yes. And, but one of the things that he pointed out in his book was listening to, in one of his darkest moments, where a lot of people would say that their, their come to Jesus moment was maybe uh, hearing a particular sermon or hearing a particular uh, Christian song or seeing a particular Christian movie. Brian Welch's Come to Jesus experience was listening to a Nine Inch Nails song, hmm. which speaks to what I believe I was saying earlier, that we don't always find Jesus where he is, but he can find us where we are. Hmm. So through this Nine Inch Nails song, Jesus was able to reveal himself to Brian Welch because that's where Brian was at that time. And Brian being the sharp guy that he is with the heart that he has grasped that and then hit the ground. Well, running. and it's interesting you say this because at some of the darkest moments in my life, when I look back at those, if you look close, he's standing right there. Christ is right there, has his hands on your shoulder. He was right at my kitchen table going, dude, come on. Right, exactly. Time's ticking, let's go. Exactly. So this is awesome. So, so you know, we, we've talked about the book. 
your profound author doing very, very well with this. This is awesome. Great it's getting reading. great reviews. It's on Amazon, Superstar, Christopher Long. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And, uh, well, and I'm, tell us I'm a little bit grateful. more. You're, you're, you do some uh, write-ups and everything else as well. Well, that's that's what I do. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. a, I'm a writer, uh, also a nightclub DJ, mm -hmm. which creates great opportunities to connect with people. Sure. People come to my DJ booth now seeking a whole different type of connection from me than what they would have, say, 10 years ago. Sure. And people know my story. And what better place than in a nightclub for a guy to be who has the word. Mm -hmm. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, sometimes there might be people who may have gone through some challenges that brought them to that place. Sure. And they're looking for that guy to offer them encouragement and so on. Sure. And I'm blessed to get to be that guy. Amen. It, and you know, for, for anybody listening at home, w one of the last points that I was really, you were when you were driving this home, for me, that I've really kind of learned and seen is, um, you know, writing some of these Fridays with Alice posts, I, I really know Alice Cooper's story way mm -hmm. better than I do a lot. And, you know, when he made that transformational point, and like you were saying, let's cut off everything, he really contemplated whether or not to continue doing the Alice Cooper, you know, show and everything. And, and luckily, he was, uh, you know, in a, a place where a pastor said, why? Right. Why? You were in the camp of the Philistines. You were right where God has placed you. Do you feel like God makes mistakes? It would have compromised his testimony right. to have changed his game plan. Yeah. And that was... And it would have taken him down a road where he was untouchable to everybody else and not, you know, holier than thou kind of... As a kid growing up with Alice Cooper, mm -hmm. that was so powerful when he finally stepped out mm -hmm. and proclaimed his faith. Sure. And I don't think that God wants us to be wimps. Mm -mm. You know, when you get a hold of the word, he doesn't want us to sort of cower and, you sure. know, be sheepish in the corner somewhere. He wants us to come out and be bold and to use those platforms effectively that he's given us. Right. So I will use uh, my opportunities in the in the nightclub business, in the DJ business. Uh, I write entertainment content. I contribute content to various uh, entertainment news outlets, and that keeps me very busy. Uh, Superstar is my fourth book. Uh, my fifth is currently in development, and I'm just grateful for all those uh, opportunities and just always seeking the chance to reveal Jesus to people through those opportunities, which is exactly what you're doing, which is exactly why I admire you as much as I do. I remember when you we first met a year ago, mm -hmm. somehow somebody gave you my number, and I remember telling my girlfriend, I said, I got a call from this guy doing this some sort of an Alice Cooper related faith-based website podcast. He left me a message today. I said, this guy is either just 
the, the, a complete idiot <laughs> or an absolute genius, but I'm going to call him back and find out. And I was just immediately so impressed by your genius and your heart for Jesus because I know we travel in similar sure. circles and I know that your vision, your platform, your ministry was not necessarily in line with those with whom you were connected at the time. And it took some courage mm -hmm. for you to embrace that ministry, really be confident in that, and move forward. And that's what I found impressive, and I think that's what others have found impressive, because I pay close attention to your content and people are being touched by your ministry. Lives are being changed, my friend, and you are leading a bold charge in, in, in that endeavor. And so I was just very, uh, very honored to have been able to develop a personal relationship, a personal friendship Likewise. with you over this year, and uh, particularly uh, honored that you would have me as a guest on your show, this being a, a fairly new mm -hmm. endeavor, a spinoff of some of your other projects that's, that's building, and I was just very humbled to be able to participate in the, the, that ground level of your newest well, venture. Th this is a relationship that's here to last, so I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll go down that road a little bit more. But, you know, the, the, the one last thing I want to share with the audience is we've talked about boldness, we've talked about faith. Keep your eyes on Christ and step out of the boat would be my takeaway from all this. Sure, know? sure. Uh, step out in faith and uh, just have courage to... It's, it's okay to cry out for help. Tom mm. Kiefer did. If right. Tom Kiefer was cool enough to acknowledge that he needed to cry out for somebody to save him, then you know that's, that is a, uh, a, a, a testimony that, that speaks to me. Amen, amen. And so you can take that to the bank. Um, that really kind of wraps up this episode of the Song and Verse podcast. I am your host, Rockin' Odd Todd, signing out. And I want to thank Chris Long for being with us today and all of his links and everything about this book and who this guy is will be down in the comments section in the description area. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate Thanks, Chris. everybody. All See right. you again. Peace. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Song of Verse podcast. Hopefully it was an uplifting, honest, and meaningful experience for you. We do accept donations. If you feel led to give to the Song and Verse Ministries, Check out songandverseministries.com slash donate for a number of different ways to give back. And also be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We hope you turn into the next episode of the Song and Verse podcast. Until then, keep searching for the DNA of God's Word found flowing through songs.